This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline. Here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, good gardening, and we are live and lively from Daniel's Farm and Greenhouse on Jungerman Road in St. Peter's, just slightly, I guess it would be south of Mexico Road. Sorry for the delay there. We had some technical difficulties, but it's all been straightened out. Now you know where we are. How's your landscape doing? How about your lawn, your garden, your houseplants? And what's on your mind? Remember, this is your show, and I'm here to help you make good, sound decisions. And... Uh, Healthy plants mean work, timing, and information. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments about your plants, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. The brains behind this live and lively broadcast this week in studio is Greg. He's producing, and Brian's here as a remote engineer. I'm Mike Miller. I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations. And I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. During the week, I do something I call a walk and talk, where I come to your home and we stroll around and we take a look at what's going on, what's happening, why is this happening, why is that happening. And today, after the show, I'm headed out to, I can't even remember, remember no, Webster and Creve Core. If you'd like to schedule a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number, so you can contact me and we can schedule one. Today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Turning off Jungerman, you're greeted by massive oak trees, viburnums, hosta, purple leaf redbuds, and embracing this in fa- and they're embracing a fantastic cascading water feature that tumbles down and the sound is absolutely fantastic. The sign reads 15 greenhouses of color and man is that true. The driveway up the hill towards the old farmhouse, there's a conifer collection on the right, backdrop by an old classic barn. At the hilltop, a real taste of what Daniel's farm and greenhouse is. There's a patch of roses, like a rose garden. You can pick and choose from those. There's another waterfall as well. There's all kinds of pots and palms and hanging baskets and bags of organics and sod and deciduous trees as far as the eye can see. And the very back, you can see some rock mulch and some firewood. So if you've got a fire pit for the summertime, they got the firewood here. Inside one of the greenhouses, sago palms say hi. Aquatic planting soil is there if you want to grow aquatic plants. There's pitcher plants. There's bananas. There's hanging baskets hovering over perennials and ground covers. Two different ones and uh, two different houses of various varieties of hosta. Stepping through into another greenhouse, anthuriums, crotons, elephant ear bulbs, cacti, succulents, seeds, caladiums, coleus, ferns, begonias, galore, exora, herbs, Veggies, asparagus, wave petunias, lantana hanging from the rafters. And uh, as you come into the entrance greenhouse, just look up at the ceiling and all the rafters. You're going to see a collection of all kinds of antique stuff there. It's just absolutely fantastic. And they've got the option here, if you get a little bit thirsty because the weather's warm, you can buy a bottle of water, and that's going to be great. And if you're feeling a little bit like your sweet tooth needs to have a little bit of pizzazz, well, they've got raw honey that's local. I mean, local from St. Peter's. What could be better than that? Today we are at Daniel's Farm and Greenhouse on Jungerman Road, and we'll be, t- we'll be taking your calls as soon as we come back. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Recently on The Charlie Brennan Show. Our guest is Brian Lamb, the founder of C-SPAN. You know, I have to say to you, uh, Mr. Brennan, what you did for Chuck Berry is worth this time that I'm spending with you. When you come to St. Louis, you and I are going to have lunch at the Blueberry Hill and then take a look at the Chuck Berry statue across the street. It's a deal. 
Thank you so much, Brian Lamb, for all you do, and thanks for this contribution to presidential history. I sure appreciate it. Thank you, Charlie. They're a great radio station. Love KMOX. Charlie Brennan, weekday mornings at 9 on KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And joining me right now is the Daniel of Daniel's Farm and Greenhouse. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, this place is very impressive. Well, thank you. I mean, seriously. I've never seen coleus the size of football, uh, coleus leaves the size of football. Yeah, those are the, the Kong coleus. Ah. And they'll end up two feet by two feet, and they take shade. A little closer. And uh, how about variety? How many different varieties of plant material you have here? I have almost an acre greenhouse, right? Oh, we got 48,000 square feet of greenhouse. Right, and that's 42,000 an acre, right? Yep, yep. So uh, more than an acre. Oh, I couldn't tell you how many different plants we got. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> we, we don't have everything, but we have a lot. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. From a hardy plant circumstance, as well as tropicals, as well as seasonal color and everything else, and all kinds of house plants right next to us, it was very interesting. You put us right next to all those cactus with all those thorns. I keep thinking, ow! You're just looking at them. They're scaring yeah. me. We could switch sides. You can come on the succulent side, and then they won't yeah, you know, exactly. stick as bad. But the hanging baskets as we sit here in the greenhouse is just phenomenal. It's absolutely well, thank it's you. a great place. Thank you. I got lots of good help here. Right. And it takes good help to maintain all this. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. And it also it takes you and your... Everybody else sort of keeping an orchestration, so it's kind of like a symphony. You got to play it, you got to hit the beat right, and if you don't, practice, practice, practice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Someday we'll get it right. <laughs> We're close. Right. We're close. So, how long you been doing this? Uh, well, I grew up here on the farm. I took over in 1990. Wow. And in '90, we we got. More into greenhouses and more into nursery stock. Well, great. Well, thanks, Daniel. I'll talk to you again next hour. Mm-hmm. All right, great. So, if you have any questions or concerns or comments, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. The plant material this year have, has been absolutely nothing but f- less than fantastic. And uh, I'll tell you what, along with that, plant material wise, uh, the weeds, the, I mean, it's absolutely unbelievable. And so what you're seeing right now is you're seeing kind of, as the temperatures start rising, the end of the cool season weeds. So those were ones that upcoming, if you have a, a weed problem right now, a major weed problem, you'd be putting the pre-emergent down. This is for annual weeds in mid to late August as the seeds germinate. So what would be now? The weeds that uh, germinated last August, henbit, dead nettle. They're both lamiums, they're cousins of each other. Chickweed, annual bluegrass, and several other ones as well. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. I don't have a What time? I don't have a clock. Okay, why don't we go ahead and take a break and see if we can get things organized. Okay, so back after these messages. The world of news. So fast, fast that your head will spin. Going so fast. We bring it. Get up and keep moving. To you. Move this as fast as we can. World, national, and local news. Sound familiar? Full speed ahead. Move, move. Continue moving forward. Move quickly. Time to move on. Let it rip. Let's go. It's your news. So fast. fast. We've got to have it. When you want it. Now. now. On air. Online. Right here. Happening right now. Move forward together. KMOX. KMOX.com. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. Questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We're going to go over to Highland, Illinois, and into Dolores' yard. Hi, Dolores. Yes, good morning, Mike. Hi. Sounds like a good place that you're at today. Absolutely. It's a great place. Okay, I have a question. I have a lilac bush that my gentleman that usually trimmed the bushes in the fall wanted to trim it in the fall. I said, no, then it won't bloom in the spring. So we left it go, and now I need to trim it. So it's about seven foot high. How much shall I cut off on the top and maybe even around that bush? Um, 
in reality, you know, I mean, just pruning, is it just too big for the space? Is that why you want to, you know, make it smaller? You yes, I necessarily... do need to make it a little smaller. It's, okay. it's very huge. Okay. It so looks I beautiful, would... but... Right. See, that's why I'm saying, you know, pruning it probably fine. This is a perfect time of year to prune right after it finishes flowering. Right. So, But I don't like to take any more than 10 to 15, maybe 20% off the stems. Okay. And uh, th- that would be it. All right. That sounds good. My, uh, my husband will have a job now. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. I love the program. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Now let's go to Bill, and Bill's in uh, Lake Fond du Lac. Hello. Hi, Bill. Yeah. Go I ahead. Have a, yeah. Hello. Yes, go ahead, please. Yes. Bill? I'm trying to talk. Go ahead, talk. I can hear you. Okay. Uh, I have a question about blue rock junipers. Is there any way to propagate them? Uh, it's very, very difficult, to be honest with you. You can get, take some cuttings from them and actually get some rooting hormone for grow, for woody plant material. After you take the cutting, make a cut, probably like a 6 or 8-inch cut at a 45-degree angle, then dip the tip of it into the rooting hormone and then put it in a potting mix for starting plants. But this is going to be a long, involved process, to be honest. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Bill. And now let's go to Mary, and she's in Florissant. Hi, Mary. received a um, beautiful flowering, I think it's called Calancho for Mother's Day. Calancoy? Yeah, I don't know how okay. to pronounce it. Anyway, is That's that, okay. can I put it in the ground? Should I leave it in a pot, or does it come back every year? No, it's not a hardy plant for outside. It's not. So, no. So I mean, you can put it out there, but, in a pot. yeah. Exactly. You can put it outside in the pot for the summertime and then bring it in sometime in September. But no, it's a, I mean, it looks like a succulent. It has cluster of, you know, reddish orange flowers. But for the most part, it is not hardy unless you live in Southern California. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. And now let's go to Sally. And Sally is in Creve Corps. Hi, Sally. Hi, good morning. Um, I have a concern about my creeping flocks. Uh, where I have it planted, it's in the full sun, but it's in um, a, a raised bed, like, you know, um, landscape, uh, oh, I can't think. Um, uh, landscape timbers? Yeah, well, no, it's in stone, but anyway, okay. it's it's high off the ground, but it's very flat. The t- you know, it's it, it doesn't have any slope to it at all. And I was just reading on the Internet, it's turning brown, and it said that it probably is suffering from some sort of fungus. And I was wondering if you could give me some insight to that. Basically, it's got a fungus in the root system because the area is flat. So as much rain as we've had this year, and especially if you've had historic, let's say, uh, activity with this particular creeping flocks and you've had good luck with it it's because this year we've had an exceptional amount of rain and so once it starts turning brown there's no to be honest with you no recovery so in other words the root system is rotting because of the poor drainage circumstance oh uh, what what would you if i have to pull it out say in the fall okay. um what would you replace it with well you could play if you really like i like the creeping flocks a lot i would just oh, make sure it. that I would just make sure that about 50% of the soil that you're growing it in is pea gravel. So in other words, and go down about a foot and put a lot of pea gravel in there so you can ensure that the, you know, the drainage situation is going to be okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good idea. I can do that. Okay, Thank you great. so Perfect. much, Mike. Certainly. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. It's the Cards and Rangers this afternoon. Amron Total Access 210. First pitch 305. Hear it here on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. KMOX. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. And uh, I'm not exactly sure because the screen is dropped. Uh, who are we talking to? We've got Pat in St. Louis City. Okay, Pat, how are you? 
Hello? Yes, go ahead. Oh, hey. I got uh, three questions here. The first one is uh, I got a couple of hibiscus trees, Mm -hmm. and uh, they survived the winter, I think. But what do I do now to make sure that they, uh, you know, do I trim them back or do I fertilize them? What do I need to do to get them going? So you're moving them outside? Yeah. Yeah, they were in, okay. in, in like a sunroom all winter long. Okay. So basically when you move them outside, do not put them in direct sun. That's not something oh. you really want to do because it will sunburn all the foliage and everything else. So just move them outside, put them in a part sun location where it's not, they're not going to get any sun basically from, let's say, 1030 till 430 in the afternoon. Now that you can get them acclimated so they can take more sun, but right now initially going out and just, you know, leave them in the same pot. There's no reason to put them in a different pot and then uh, start fertilizing them after they've been outside for about a week or so. Do I cut them back at all? Uh, you can if you want to, if they're a little bit too leggy. All right. Um, second question. I got a mole in my backyard. What's the best way to, to try to get rid of them? Somebody <laughs> told me to put some grub X down or something. No, that won't get rid of them because it will kill your grubs, but it will not get... I mean, moles eat earthworms. That's their main diet. So they're in your yard because you have earthworms, so consequently that's what's going on. So, yes, they do eat the grubs if they're tunneling along and they come across a grub, but that's not, I mean, that's more of an appetizer rather than a meal. That's what they're listening to. That's where their tunnels go is how the mole hears the earthworm moving through the soil, and then consequently that's what happens. Uh Uh-huh. So you grub X. So basically, the traps. I mean, there are some poisons that you could use. I mean, there's people who call in and say they, you know, they do all kinds of different things. But injection with, uh, let's say, a poison. Go to your favorite garden center and see if they have it. It's like a gel type thing, and then consequently, the mole will. It smells like earthworms. So when the mole comes across it, first you got to flatten the tunnels, find out which ones are most active, and then go from there. The ones that pop up then inject the, the poison down into the tunnel, and then hopefully the mole will come across it and eat it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thirdly, um, I've got bare spots in my front yard, um, and I'm not really sure why. I put grass seed down, but that didn't really seem to take. I wonder uh, any suggestions. Uh, when did you put it down? Uh, probably about three four weeks ago it's maybe what have you done as far as the grassy as far as the grassy goes uh nothing i mean i just when it was really damp and 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 rainy out i just uh you know put a bunch of grassy down to make sure it kind of and it was kind of muddy so i thought it would kind of take to that you know well it could have just been drowned to be honest with you so consequently, what you should have done is rake the area up that you were going to put the seed down, put the seed down, and then put a seed starter fertilizer down at the same time. Oh. Right. And it's, it's getting seed kind starter? of late. Seed starter fertilizer. And it's too late, you say, to do that now? It's, you're going, kind of on the cusp. I mean, we are in May, so you may still have an opportunity to get it germinated. But it's going to be somewhat of a roll of the dice. So we're on the crisp of being able not being able to do it. Then you're saying? Yeah, it's it, it's like I said, it's a roll of the dice. It may be successful, but it may not. So you can go ahead and do it and try to get these spots taken care of, or you can go to your favorite garden center and get some sod and just put the sod in place. Yeah, I just had some grass seed laying around, so on a limb, I just grabbed it and, and threw it out, thinking it would do something, but. Yeah, I guess it's uh, and if the grass, do a little more oh. prep work. Yeah, if the grass with seed was old, I mean that's sort of as age as seed ages, the percentage of germination goes down. So that may be part of the factor oh. as well. Okay, well maybe I'll try some fresh grass seed and see what happens. All right, great. And seed starter fertilizer. Seed starter. I got to remember that. I'll write that down. Thank you. All right, great. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, into Ferguson we go. Marge, how are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. I have a question for a neighbor. She has it's the hill down into our home, 
and she can't seem to get the grass to take hold on the uh, hill. Is there anything that she could put on there besides grass? Is there how, some how large? Yeah, how large is the hill, and is it shaded? Is it sunny? It's it's sunny, but it's not that large. But it comes down into our driveway, and she keeps doing everything she can to make the grass grow there, but it doesn't seem to take hold. So I was wondering if she could put something else there besides grass. She could. Uh, so it's sunny. It's hot all day long, every day. Correct. Yes. 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 So I would take a look, have her take a look at some of the varieties of sedum. S e d u m. Okay. And some of the evergreen varieties like Dragon's Blood, sedum. Okay. Sedum is a plant. It's a succulent. It's in the cactus family, only it doesn't have any thorns or anything. It grows as a ground cover and maybe do a combination of a couple different sedums, like sedum acre and then sedum Dragon's Blood. And they can take the heat. They don't need extra water. They don't need anything whatsoever. But they probably will... You know, before you plant them, take a little bit of soil preparation to make sure that the ground is, you know, so that they can get their root systems established. Okay. See, any any kind of the seed, sedum acrum and sedum uh, dragon blood. Right. Sedum okay. acre, A-C-R-E, okay. and sedum dragon's blood. But she can look at, go to her favorite garden center and just take a look at all the various varieties of hardy sedum ground covers. Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. Yes, and now let's go to John, and John is in Chesterfield. Hi, John. Good morning. I got two questions for you. I got part of my lawn where I didn't cut the grass for a week, and now some of the grass is going to, going to seed. Is that bad to let it do that, or does it help? Or just it doesn't it? do anything. The seed's not viable, so uh, just go ahead and cut your grass. It's not going to make any difference one way or another if you let it and think it's going to drop seed and you're going to get a thicker, better lawn from that, that's not going to happen. Oh, okay. The other thing, um, I planted a bare root rose bush uh, earlier this spring, and it's coming up just fine. It's starting to get, it's got one bud about ready to open to a flower. It seems to me I remember you're saying something about uh, first year, don't let it make flowers. Is, did I, am I remembering correctly? Uh, you can let them go ahead, go ahead and flower. You know, so certain plants, it's better off not to. But the roses, you can go ahead and let flower. And just, uh, you know, when the flower's finished, like with when the petals start dropping, just cut the flower, you know, where the flower bud was off. Go down to where a, a spot where there's probably at least, probably five leaflets would be ideal. So you're cutting it yeah. back rather than just taking the flower off. Yeah, that's the way I'd normally prove my other rose okay. bushes. So it's doing that. So it's okay to let it go make flowers. That's good. Right. Exactly. All right. Thank you. All right. If anybody else has any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we still got a few minutes in this hour. So uh, what's going on in the outdoors just kind of in general? Well, we heard the gentleman calling about uh, the moles and prolific damage from these problematic small mammals. And... It's just, it's a nightmare. And the reason why they're in your yard and not in your neighbor's yard is because you have a better yard. A better yard it means it's going to have earthworms, and that's the thing that attracts the moles. The whole grub thing, getting rid of moles by killing off grubs, that's not really going to work because you've got a good yard, and they're there because they can hear the earthworms when they're in the ground. So that's what it's you know, basically all about. So uh, how about renovating bed spaces? You still got a chance or an opportunity to do that as well. So if, I mean, get your beds ready, maybe not plant this time of year. No, you can plant this time of year. It's just going to take a little bit more care as the temperatures go get a little bit uh, warmer. So it's good time to renovate. And uh, what else can you do in the outdoors? Well, you can get a soil test done. You know how important soil tests are. They indicate that there, there is, you know, what there is there and what there isn't there, and that's really important. Let's see what we got for a call. Let's go to Jerry from Oakville. Hi, Jerry. Jerry, are you there? Spare spot in my backyard where I had a lot of pine needles, um, and I need to plant some sod. Do I need to put anything on that ground before to for the soil i would say if you're smart and this is an important area for you 
I would get a soil test done. It's going to take a couple weeks to get the soil you know, results back. But that way you won't just go out there and say, well, since there was pine needles here, there, you know, let's say that's problematic, yes. And so maybe you need to put lime down, but maybe you don't. And also the area where the pine needles are, did you have a pine tree taken out? No, there was not. Um, it just they got away from me. So as long as there wasn't a bunch of you know, trees cl- close by or anything else, and this is in full sun, I would say just be patient, get the soil test done. And if you're talking about putting sod down, you can put sod down pretty much through the entire summertime. It takes a little bit more care when the weather gets hot. But find out what's in the ground before you start just spending money so you don't spend real money and uh, aesthetic money at the same time and just end up being frustrated. Just go to a garden center to get soil tests or... And no, you're going to have to take a soil sample. And the University of Missouri does the soil samples. They have an office in Kirkwood. You can call them about how much soil you need to do and everything else. Garden centers do not do soil testing. Okay. Thank you very much. Great. Thank you very much. And anybody else has any questions? Let's go to Dan. And Dan's uh, in St. Louis. Hi, Dan. How you doing? Very good. Some grass seed down. We just bought a new house, and there was, like, some bare spots, and I threw some grass seed. And it took good, but if I needed to get thicker, do I need to throw more seed, or will grass make more grass? (laughs) Ideally, it will. That's what sod farms are all about. That's how grass makes more grass. But in a homeowner situation, uh, probably it's going to take several years to get a nice, thick lawn in this area. Okay, so, so that means every May and every September for a couple years, you're going to be putting additional seed down and just uh, you know kind of keep it. I don't know what type of seed you put down, but uh, put down a uh, you know a blend if it's a blue gla- bluegrass blend or a fescue blend, and make sure you do the blends because that's you're going to have better, let's say, growth out of your lawn in that situation. Okay, yeah, it was Pennington seed, but I don't I don't recall what kind it was. I just wanted to get some grass in there. Because I don't like, you know, stuff washing away with the dirt and that. So, uh, sure. Well, I'll reseed it again in September then. Right. And, and right. again, do the seed starter fertilizer with it. Okay. That's perfect because I wanted to get as thick as I can. I don't want the dirt washing away. Right. Exactly. So, let's see. Right. Ron, in, Ron in South City, can you do it kind of quick? Yeah. I've got a, a flower bed about 30 feet uh, by 3 feet surrounded in rock. I want to plant some ivy in that. Uh, I've got it covered with a mesh to keep the weeds out, and on top of the mesh is a, a, a red mulch, I guess. Any suggestions about doing it the best way? Uh, to be honest with you, if you, the weed barrier that you have down there, you're going to have to pull the mulch out. You're going to have to get the, let's say, the ivy or whatever you're talking about planting in there. You're going to have to get the root system of that in contact with soil. So, I mean, you're going to have to poke holes in the landscape fabric. Understand. Okay. How deep a hole? How big? I've got fertilizer uh, as well. Okay. You don't need to fertilize. Newly planted stuff should not be fertilized. But when you, I'm assuming you bought the ivy in flats. Just pull it out of the, you know, you probably in six packs. Just pull it out of the two and a quarter inch pot and then see how deep the root system is. And that's how deep you want to make the hole. So put them in pots first. Well, I thought you were you already had them in a pot when you bought them. A package, you know, those trays. Right, a cell, yeah, a flat. So yeah, it okay. comes in two and a two and a quarter inch pots. There's six packs in there. Okay. So pull the individual plants out of the six pack. Yeah. And plant it that deep. Directly into the soil. Directly into the soil. Okay. Hopefully you've been. Yeah, hopefully you've improved the soil because ivy's tough, but it still needs to have soil improvement from our nasty regular old clay type stuff. Gotcha. Pretty good soil. Um, All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, great. Well, thank you. And thanks to everybody. I appreciate it. We've had some difficulties this morning, and uh, that's just kind of how life is. I wish it was always smooth and gracious and everything else, but... uh, that's not how it's always going to be. And just take a look at the weed situation. They're going to be very, very prolific. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I'll be back after the news.
KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Good gardening, folks. We are live and lively from Daniel's Farm and Greenhouse on Jungerman Road in St. Peter's very near Mexico Road. This really is a cool place, I mean, plant material-wise and everything else, but there's a lot of great places to have your picture taken. So they do have some photographers here that if you want to come in and have your, let's say, your prom picture taken or other things taken, or just a picture yourself standing among the begonias or whatever it happens to be, they can do that for you. So that's really kind of a cool aspect of this Daniel's Farm and Greenhouse on Jungerman Road. And engineering right on site here is Brian. Brian has had a, a lot of work to do today. We had a technical problems in the first hour, but that's over with, and now everything's back smooth. And Greg is back producing in studio. The second hour means the tip of the trowel. I'll be giving the tip of the trowel in a few moments. But first, thanks for having me on your show. And remember, if you were not there, I would not be here. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. To get things rolling, how are your perennials doing? How about your spring flowering bulbs? Start cutting the foliage off. You know the flowers are already finished. When the foliage gets about half brown or so, then you can cut it off at, at ground level. And your summer bulbs, your cannas, your elephant ears. There's a bunch of elephant ears right across from where we're broadcasting from right now. Uh, get those in the ground. I've had mine in the ground for several weeks now, and they really are probably about the f- 12 to 14, maybe 16 inches high. How about your edibles, your herbs? Herbs are a great plant if you don't like to do watering because they don't like a lot of water, and if you don't want to fool around, let's say, with fertilizing, they don't like a lot of fertilizer. You overwater, you overfertilize, and what you do is you take all the taste and flavor away from the herbs. Your house plants, your tropicals, if you're moving them outside, just don't put them in the direct sun because they'll get sunburned. Your lawn, your perennials, your roses, your trees, your shrubs, your vines, and water gardens. They've got all kinds of water garden plants right here at Daniels. And remember, my answers, comments, and opinions are strictly offered as an option to help you achieve your goal. And by no means the only garden path available. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations, and I write uh, articles for Missouri Gardener magazine as well. If you're considered changing in your yard, your landscape, aesthetic, or problem-solving, you'd like for me to come over and take a look and help you out, well, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and my email address and phone number is on the homepage, and we can schedule a walk and talk. Today, after the show, I'm headed to Webster and then back out to Creve Core. So uh, today's tip of the trial, a special recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. First tip of the trial today goes out to Donnie. Donnie is a Clydesdale. And you said, what? Well, Tracy and I was at the Snooks on Hampton, Hampton on Thursday, and they had a Clydesdale right there, right outside the door, going in and out of the store. She got her picture taken with a Clydesdale. So I don't know exactly who, what, when, why, or anything related to the Clydesdale, but it was really kind of cool to see there. Also, the tip of the trial goes out to the Missouri Botanical Garden. They announced the Garden Party Lights. And that's an event from July 5th to October 19th. Party lights. It's uh, in the evening. This summer, the Botanical Garden becomes after-hours destination for food, drinks, lights, music, and multimedia things, the Garden Party Lights. And uh, the evening's only event will be open Thursday through Sundays from July 6th to the 19th. Also, the St. Louis Rose Society, they're having their plant show and sale and that's going to be May 25th and 26th at the Botanical Garden. And then also related to the Botanical Garden, Shaw Nature Reserve announces 2019 Wildflower Concert Series lineup. Can you imagine partying on with wildflowers in a concert? Couldn't be any more fun than that. So if you want more information, go to mobot, M-O-B-O-T dot org. And then fantastic space out of the Shaw Nature Reserve, that's out in Gray Summit. So all kinds of stuff going on in the metropolitan areas. 
Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, we're going to St. Charles, which is very close to St. Peter's, and going to Carrie's yard. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Hi. I I have brown spots on the leaves of my black-eyed Susans. What is that, and how do I get rid of it? It could be a physical damage, like a small, you know, light hailstorm or something like that. You cannot necessarily get rid of it. Black-eyed Susans are pretty tough and durable. They really shouldn't, you know, be problematic as far as the overall health of the plant. Aesthetically, we wish all our plants would look like they did exactly in a catalog, but that's not realistic. So it's black-eyed Susans. They have a furry, you know, kind of leaf coating. So they're really not prone to major problems as far as fungus on the foliage goes. Okay, so it's not something that's going to spread to my other plants? No. Okay. Okay, that's what I needed to know. (laughs) Yeah, they're tough and durable, so uh, no big problem. Let's go. Let's jump the river over to Chester and go into Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hi, good morning. I've got a uh, dogwood tree here. This year it seems like they've got the... uh, uh, They all bloom pretty good. I've got the... Two white ones and one pink one. The pink one is is the one I'm calling about. It looks like the leaves have turned kind of brown already, and I wanted to what I could do about that. Dogwood, pink dogwood is of somewhat of a weak variety, so it could it's probably weather related, and there's really nothing that you're going to be able to do that's going to make that much difference, to be honest. So if the this foliage is, is already starting to turn brown and head downhill. There's nothing you can inject it with, nothing you can spray on it or anything else. You're just going to have to kind of leave it alone. Don't overwater it. Don't fertilize it and see if it can get itself stabilized. Okay. I, uh, this plant, this tree is about 25 years old. I didn't oh. know the longevity on these plants. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you've done a great job with it if you have one that's done well for 25 years because like i say the pinks are a little bit uh they're not as strong as the white flowered ones i stopped at a nursery this morning and and i i took a snip off of the tree to show him what my problem was and he said it may be wind damaged i don't know if that's any validity to that or not <laughs> I guess it could be wind damage, but usually wind damage is not going to necessarily just turn the foliage brown. Right. All right, so, then I'll just leave it go. There's nothing yeah. I can do about it. Yeah. Hopefully you have a selfie or something or a couple pictures of it because 25 years, that's great growth on your part. They, they all seem to really bloom good this year. Yeah, they definitely did. All right. Thank you, Mike. Yep. Now let's go to Godfrey, Illinois. We're going to save some gas and uh, into Donna's yard. Hi, Donna. Hi. Listen, I have, um, are, can you hear me okay? It's windy here. I, yes. I live on the edge of the bluffs. And if, okay. I have two gigantic Japanese anemones, and I need to get them out of my garden. When I originally planted them, of course, they were small and cute and uh <laughs> They're in a perfect place because they've grown. Uh, they're they're humongous now, and I need to get them out. Are there any special recommendations other than maybe dividing them and digging them up? Do you think they'll survive in a pot with good soil just for a day or two until I can take them to my sister? They, they should survive, but this is not the ideal time to be doing it. Obviously, the dormant time would be the better time to be doing it. So they're actively growing digging them up even as much root system as you can get and everything else and keeping the you know putting it in a pot and keeping them moist it still may be some problems with it can you hold off on it and just wait and do it once they start going going dormant in the fall well i thought of course i did some reading you know before calling but it said spring was the best time to do it not well we're so. kind of yeah we're kind of past spring as far as temperature uh, wise, that's yeah. you know that's where the trouble is going to come, because when you okay. unless she, if she lives in this region, you can dig it up, you can get it in the pot, it'll be fine there. But once it gets to her house and the heat and everything else, its root system's been diminished when you dig it up, and then consequently that's what you're looking at. 
Okay. Okay. So, so, so in other words, it, it to acclimate into the new location. Right. Right. Well, you know what? I have two of them. I may do one as an experiment and leave one. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, see what happens. Uh, keep one for next year and try it. Or this fall, you say. This fall is when is the best yeah, time. Yeah, fall would be the ideal time. Once they start going dormant, that's the ideal time to do it. Okay. I will do it. Thank you so much, Mike. Great. Now let's go to... Let's see, Barb, and Barb is in Winsville. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Uh, Hi. My green beans are upgrade about six, eight inches, but they're very leggy on the bottom. No leaves. Is that normal? Yes, that should be, you know, kind of what you expect. So I, as right. long as the, the, hmm. the leaves are, you know, I mean, initially there would be leaves down there, but as the stems elongate, you, you're probably going to have a section that has no leaves on it. Okay, but it is still performed. Uh, secondly, the iris, they're old-fashioned iris, most of them. Probably got a bed, 12 by 6, very thick. Uh, but very few of them have bulbs on them this year. What, what goes? Basically, iris, as they age, they get to a certain point, and we're talking about the old-time flag-type iris. As they age... Their ability to flower diminishes, so that's probably what's I, happened. I planted these. This is the third summer. Uh, it, it, with replanting them, uh, would they still be considered old? Yeah, if you, not you know, if they came out of a you know if they've been growing someplace either in somebody else's yard. Uh-huh. So in other words, these are not uh-huh. you know plants that you purchase new or recent. Okay, okay, I see. So age so, is age, mm. not just because you dig it up and move it doesn't make it, oh, this plant's only one year old. That's mm, not how the so case is. waste and of so, my time. Yeah, you can okay. go ahead and leave them, and they may, you know, we've had callers over the years that said, you know, they, theirs didn't, let's say, put any flower right. buds out for several years, and then, you know, <laughs> finally they did, right. but uh, how patient right. can you sure be? Being sick uh, would not hamper them from blooming would it no as long okay. as the foliage looks good they're going to be fine okay so okay. just enjoy Thanks the lot, leaves. Mike. yep and now let's go to michael and he's in highland illinois hi michael yes yes sir good morning uh, two questions hi. two questions regarding a newly planted uh Hard maple tree, it's an autumn blaze or an autumn flame. And the questions are, Sir, you're breaking up. I can't understand you. Okay. So if if you've transplanted, if, if this was a new plant and it's hard maple, don't do any fertilizing, don't do anything. Hopefully when you dug the hole for your maple tree, three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 75% as deep. So let's go now to Tim, and Tim, Tim is in Edwardsville. Hi, Tim. Hello, Mike. Uh, thank you Hi. for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I've got some... Um, I got some silver maples. I'm contemplating on renting a bucket lift and trimming these. They're 50 years old, and I'm uh, kind of perplexed whether to go with topping them or just spinning them out for uh, so they don't blow down in a storm or something of that nature. Um, I would say t- topping is not something that's advisable. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I do have some red buds uh, that have dead in them. I've made the mistake of letting uh, some English ivy grow over them uh, over the years. I've cut that down, but they're ailing. Uh, although they've been this way for a number of years, I, I guess um, I keep my fingers crossed. I'm going to go in and uh, cut out the dead, and and uh, we'll see what happens. Right. I mean, removing dead wood, whether it's on maple trees or red buds or anything else, is always advisable. Topping on anything is not advisable because what's going to happen is if you top the tree down, it's going to skyrocket growth, and that growth is going to be very willowy, and it's going to be much more prone to wind damage and splits and things like that. So thinning trees out, and even trees as old as yours are, is a better way to go. And taking the dead wood out. 
Will this, uh, will these trees then grow taller or being 50, I imagine they're at their, their uh, maturity level. Yeah, I would say they're probably pretty much at as big as, as tall as they're going to get. Okay, thank you so much. I enjoy yep. your show. Thank you. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The St. Louis Blues, the Stanley Cup Playoffs. I know tough this. This is Stanley Cup Playoffs. And just got to move forward. You got to live in the present moment. The Blues, the Sharks, and Game 5 of the Western Conference Final tomorrow afternoon. Pre-game 1.30, the puck drops at 2. And you can hear the game on Y98FM, streaming on Radio.com and KMOX.com. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, to the phones we go, and we're headed into Richmond Heights. Hi, Greg. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yes, go ahead. This is Greg. How are you? Yes. Mike, you're wonderful. Very thank good. you for everything you do. You're great. Well, it's thank like, you. You're like, you're like Kramer on plants. This is wonderful. Okay, <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. Am I too late? Too late for what? I mean, it's Uh No, no. This is a time to do it. You've got uh, any place between like four and six weeks after they finish flowering. Uh, okay, next you know. one. Okay, how, how about my uh, my my uh, I got ewes. I've already run a bunch of on them. Can I cut them right now? I don't like to, you know, go. Do pruning on evergreens, whether they're broadleaf evergreens, you know, that thick and dense like the ewes are going in the summertime. If you get it done really quickly, you can. Just don't cut too much off Don't because if you do, you can expose some of the needles further down in the plant that have not been used to having, the, let's say, the sun hit them, and you may get some sunburn on the, on the needles that are left. Ah, okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Way to go, Mike. Thank you. Well, thank you. And now let's go to Kermit, and he's in Waterloo, Illinois. Hi, Kermit. Hi, Mike. Um, I have to grade what is mostly clay and get some grass growing. How many inches of compost should I lay down and till in? You should probably get a compost topsoil mix and probably about two to three inches, but mix it in with the existing soil. Just don't lay it on top of the soil that you have. And don't and by not mixing it in, you're not going to create a good blend, and then consequently, the roots of the plants that you're planting, the lawn, it's just going to stay where it's really nice, and it's going to hit that clay soil beneath it, and that's going to make it so the lawn, as it germinates and starts growing, is not going to be hardy for long periods of time. Well, I'll I'll till it in with I got a five foot tiller. How deep oh, should I go? Probably, if you just mix it in, you know, like, you don't have to go down five inches, but uh, you probably, you know, three or four inches should be adequate. Okay, so I was going to lay down a couple inches of compost and then till about four inches deep. That's fine. Okay, so I'll mix that with the clay. Now, right. should I then spread the seed and then cover it with a little more compost and roll it? That would be ideal. If you could cover it with like a quarter to a half inch of compost before you roll, that's probably the best thing you could possibly do. All right. And then uh, I know I'm really late with this. Um, I'll straw it and keep it watered. Am I too late? Should I just plant annual and then plant permanent grass in the fall? Uh, it's like I've ta- you know, a couple other callers. We're kind of on the cusp on the weather-wise and everything else. It may be able to get established and do fine, but it may not. Personally, I would get the soil ready and everything else, put the annual seed that you're talking about down, and then do the regular good seed in September. That's what I'll do. Thank you very much. Yep. Let's stay in Illinois and go over to Highland. And, Michael, how are you? Uh, good. Sorry we got cut off a while ago. Is this better? Yes, much better. Okay. Uh, with regards uh, to the newly planted uh, hard maple tree, Autumn Blaze, uh, we feed year-round black oil sunflower seeds, and the storm took our old tree uh, before, even with it, the leaves appeared sometimes to burn on the edges. Uh, is that acidic from the bird residue and the, the seed residue to a newly no. planted tree? No. Well, a newly planted tree could have some impact, but for the most part, no, that's not the case. It's more weather-related. 
than it is something wet. related to the soil. Right. Okay. Or wet. Okay. Okay. In your opinion, I'm reading uh, mixed opinions on when to prune this tree as far as taking a few limbs off the bottom to let it go up. Uh, basically, uh, we're talking maples. Yeah, yeah, maples. I actually have three sugar maples around our house as three trees. I pruned the maples just this past week. Maples, beeches, and birch trees like to be pruned when the weather's warm, so in this more or less late spring, early, you know, into the summertime, as opposed to the wintertime. They have a lot more sap flow in the wintertime, and consequently, mine that I've pruned off, and probably the branches, you know, attached to the trunk were maybe between four and five inch caliper. There is mm-hmm. no, has been no sap flow whatsoever. Okay, so uh, the other question is, there's a lot of very, very small limbs in between some of the main ones. Uh, is it good right. to remove some of those also, like a sucker in a tomato plant? Yeah, well, it is because basically they're not going to get any light. They may have a little bit, you know, have some foliage on them, but they're not really helping the overall health of the tree just in general. And aesthetically, uh, you know, they don't really add all that much. So if you got the patience to do it, uh, you can. Just make sure when you make the final cut on anything, you're only leaving about a quarter-inch stub. And okay. if you've got longer, elongated branches, you cut it off in sections with, again, the final cut being like mm-hmm. a quarter to a half inch at the most. That exposes okay. a cambium layer. That's where it you know, scabs. Okay, so you don't want to trim it right up against the main trunk? No, not. You leave a gotcha. little bit of a bump. Okay, gotcha. Well, thank you so much for your time, sir. Certainly, thank you. And now let's go to Brentwood and into Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Hi, Mike. Uh, okay, it's back to my knockout roses. When I called a couple weeks ago, I told you there's some holes in the leaves and everything, and you had said right. it's too early, too early for insects. But I went out and flipped one over. There's like a green, teeny, teeny caterpillar-looking thing. Um, right. What do I do to get rid of those? Or You're going to have to use a... To keep you it can from use spreading. Any kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. you can use it. Uh, they're contact killer insects. So insecticides, so just spray on the underside of your foliage. Wow, that's easier said than done. Go doing the underside right. thing, but um, okay. Any the, another any option? Photolome? Another okay. option is to use a, a systemic s y s t e m i c systemic insecticide, where you mix it up, you put it down in the soil, you water it in, then it goes up through the vascular system of the rose, and then kills anything that feeds on it. Okay, well, I used that fertilizer the, the, with the insecticide in the spring. Is, was that supposed to do the same thing, come up through the uh, uh, No. To be honest with you, I don't know. I would assume it did, but apparently it didn't do a good job. Okay, so at this point, spray the underside of, right. the, of the leaves, even we, the good ones, because yeah. we don't... Ooh, that's a lot of leaves. Okay. Yeah, you aren't okay. kidding. <laughs> All so right, either that or like just eight bushes, huh? <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> That's see. a lot. Yeah, it should take you about a month or so. Or you can just you know take a you know try just shooting a one that you know where the caterpillar is on the underside of the foliage. Just try to shoot it, knock it off with a spray of water, and see what happens. Oh. Okay, okay, I'll do that. All right, thanks, All right. Mike. Bye bye. Yep, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Perryville is where May lives. Hi, May. Hi. Um, first of all, I want to tell you that I really enjoy your show. I plan my Saturday morning so I can listen to you because I learn so much. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Remember, if you weren't there, I wouldn't be here. Oh, well, I'll try to stay here then. Um, <laughs> I have a question, two questions. My peonies are blooming beautifully. When they right. are finished, uh, when should I fertilize them, and what kind of fertilizer should I use? I would just use an all-purpose fertilizer. It just, you know, it's up to you. Personally, I would say... You can use a granular type. Granular type is fine, but I like, let's say, the powders that you just mix in water and then you can just pour it around the peony and just use an all-purpose fertilizer. You don't need anything very specific for the peonies. And also, if they've elongated and they're starting to you know, lay over, 
cut it, you know, make sure that you do when they finish flowering and the petals start falling off. Go ahead and cut the flowers off. You don't have to cut the stems off or anything else. Oh, now, okay. if you've had a history of, you know, spotting on the leaves or mold or mildews or things like that, this is the time of year when you want to start spraying a fungicide to take care of that problem before it gets started. Oh, okay. And I thank you very much. Well, thank you. And again, thanks for having me on your show. Let's go now to Chesterfield and into Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. Um, Hi. Thank you again for your show. I enjoy listening every morning. Um, I had a question about, about wisteria. I have a plant that's like 20 years old in my flower bed in a corner. And last year, suddenly, I'm getting wisteria popping up all over my flower beds and all over my yard. And it's right now in my piacantha bush, and I want to save my piacantha bush, and I don't, I don't know how to get rid of this. What do I do? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> like you can take dream. <laughs> ta- yeah, take a bowl of Roundup, and take a paintbrush, and then go out and it's a little bit of work to do it this way, but just you know, take a pair of gloves, grab the wisteria plant that you want to get rid of to kill. Crush the, you know, crush the wisteria, and then paint Roundup directly onto the foliage. Okay. Is there, because I don't like chemicals, is there another way? Yes, hand digging. Okay, so it's like dig it out. Exactly. You have to get the, yeah, or, you know, a, a weeding tool or something like that, but you have to get the entire root system. Okay. There's nothing so, I can shoot down in the roots or anything well, like that. Well, I mean, no. I mean, basically not. I mean, broadleaf weed killers, but if you don't want to have any kind of chemicals at all, it's going to be a physical aspect is that's about the only alternative. And if I just cut it off, it'll come back bigger? Absolutely. You're just going to make uh. it very angry. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, and thank you Certainly. for being there for us. Well, thank you. And now let's go to Liz, and she's in South City. Hi, Liz. Uh, hi, Mike. Um, I we have a question. Is there is it possible for the rose bushes to outlive that rose rosette? No. Not that I've ever heard of. I mean, even places like when the arch grounds, their knockout roses got rose rosette. They, you know, as soon as they got them, they they went ahead and just, you know, they just got rid of them because there's not, yeah, there's not been a history that I know of that they're able to survive that because it gets into the vascular system and just messes everything up. So there's just... Well, that's, there's, what, that's, that's what I thought, but I lost a couple rose bushes to it, and now I had two left, plus my climber had it too, and... Now this year, the first round of roses, you know, they're beautiful. And the leaves are green, the stems are green. I mean, it's like they outlived it. Well, I guess it's possible you're the first person that I know of that's, you know, had that kind of luck with it. So um, I'm not that lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's still going to come get me. I don't know. But I was just wondering. I was shocked to see them. Yeah, did you did you cut off the cut off the rose rosette, you know, out of the shrubs, out of the roses? Oh yes, oh yes. Okay, so, but what All it is, it's I'm... you know, the disease is transmitted by spider mites that are blown, and they inoculate the you know the plant. So if you cut your roses all the way down, you you may have gotten lucky. I don't know, but it's generally not something that's you know going to happen. Yeah. Okay. I was just I was just curious. I'm going to wait and see what the second round looks like and. Right. But I was just—I was just surprised that they—I mean, they look healthy and everything. So, okay. Well, I appreciate your help with that. I was been waiting for Saturday so I could call you. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> Thank well, thanks you. for calling. And now let's jump the river and go into Belleville. Hi, Tom. Hello. Hey, what do you have for mount, for moles? <laughs> They've got to, you know. You can go to your favorite garden center like Evangers, which is right there in Belleville, yeah. and see if they've got the uh, injection, which is kind of like a, a gel that you inject into a, active tunnels. And they basically, the the gel smells like moles. I mean, smells like moles. No, smells worms. like uh, grub, yeah. worms, and yeah, worms. And then consequently, the mole will eat it, and that's you can kill it that way. 
I'll give that a shot. Do you know anybody who does mole extermination? Uh, anymore, I don't. There used to be a gentleman called Mole Man, and he did. But what he did is he set traps in yards. Uh-huh. And it takes multiple traps, and I don't know if anybody does that anymore or not. Okay, Mole Jail for Messengers. Got it. Yeah. Thanks. Now let's go to Peggy, and Peggy's in Fenton. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Mike. I'm calling a friend of mine had a question, the two of us. What is the difference between when you're potting, the difference between putting rocks in the bottom and putting a screen? Uh, Basically, it doesn't really make that much difference. You're just kind of guaranteeing that the potting mix that you're using doesn't clog the holes. So... The rocks, to me, just helps with the you know helps with the drainage. Screen, that's a little bit of you know I don't, I've never really used screen. I just, I'm just I guess a, I'm a rockhead or something. So. <laughs> well, that's what we've always used is rocks. Right. And then we hear about the screening and we say, well, what's the difference? Yeah, I don't think that there's like I said, all it's trying to do is keep the drainage holes in the bottom of the pot from getting clogged. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep, and South County is Marie's yard. Hi, Marie. Hi. Uh, we have uh, pin oaks, and, of course, we have galls, a lot of them. And we're getting that new, tiny growth coming out of the tree. And we had a tree trimmer said that that stuff should come off. But I thought, you know, with, we're losing branches uh, when they get too heavy with those galls. And I thought, is it okay to leave those on, do you think? So you're just saying there's new emerging limbs off the trunk or off other branches and everything else? Um, off of the, well, off of the trunk mainly. Some of them off of the branches, too. Yeah, off the trunk, that, that won't help at all. So I can see taking those off or just leaving them alone because they're not going to help the overall health. But sometimes on the branches, how it can help up there is because then you'll have foliage that's exposed to the sun, and that's how plants make food. Nutrients and moisture up from the root system to the leaves, and the leaves take sunlight and make chlorophyll, and that's the food. Okay, so we should take them off of the trunk. Yeah, if you want to. I mean, it's a lot of work, but, uh-huh. uh, yeah, they're not going to help the overall health by any means. Even if they're up high, they don't help. No, because the sun generally does is not going to hit the leaves. Uh-huh. And the okay. trees just, it's kind of a thing where the trees are pushing this out because it's under stress. Right. So it's like <sighs> desperate. And, that's, and they think it can help, but the trees are not as smart as they should be. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Certainly. And now let's go to Gay and Gaze and Clayton. Hi, Gay. Hey, Mike, this is Ray. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Ray. Oh, no worries. <laughs> no worries. Uh, quick question for you. I have a zoysia lawn that um, is um, kind of tough. It's in an area that's half sun, half, half, half shade. But So last year I put in some, oh, what do you call it, squares or plots of it, you know? But yeah, some plugs. It, it, well, no, the bigger squares, like, you know, two by two. And I bought them from Bear. But they, they, does, am I crazy or is there different types of zoysia? Because it looks different than the one that's in there. And how do I, where do I go to match up? the kind of zoysia that's there, if that's true. They're generally all the same type. It's just depending upon the age, the grass blades can look a little bit different because I've had the same thing. I have established, you know, zoysia lawn, and so consequently, um, you know, when I bring in new plugs or pieces of sod, it doesn't quite work as good as it should. Well, they're broad. It looks like the, the ones I put in are like a broader leaf, and the ones that are existing seem to be a finer leaf, but you're, I guess right. you're saying, no, 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 it's all the same. Yeah, it's just an age factor. Oh. All right, thank you. All right. And joining me right now is Daniels of Daniels Farm and Greenhouse. What kind of day are you having today? It's a good day. The sun's shining, the, the wind is blowing a little bit, and, and we're, we're getting a little busy. Right, and the people going by with the wagons, they've got such a great array of plant material. It really looks nice. Yeah, they're... Here's a gentleman right here with some coleus. I mean, those coleus have huge leaves. I'm very impressed with those. They almost look tropical. Yeah, they do. Those are the con coleus. Right. And then what's the uh, thing in the back? Uh, that's a perennial, yeah. hardy perennial. Uh... Anthurium? No. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> you, you caught me. 
You caught me. <laughs> you mean you can't remember 10,000, 15,000 different plant names as they just go rolling by? I shouldn't uh, have done that. Not today. <laughs> not after the past, you know, three months of work and seven, exactly. 12 hour days. So, what are your hours? We are through the week. We are nine to five or nine to seven through the week. We are nine to five on Saturday and 10 to five on Sunday. And you stay up late? You know, well, thinking about. I get here I mean, at six. I 6:30. saw you. I, we were here and saw yeah. you coming in. We close at seven. We're here till seven thirty, eight o'clock, straightening up, getting ready for the next day. Right. And even this morning when you got here, you were worried about the wagons not being organized correctly. Yeah. The wagon trains. Trying, trying to make it look neat. <laughs> you know, we want to be neat and clean around here. Right. Exactly. We don't succeed all the time, but we try. And and plant material. I see that you also offer. If people buy uh, woody plant material, you offer planting service as well. Yes, we do. We do landscaping, and we can do design work. Um, we do ponds and waterfalls. So you do a great job with the waterfalls. Well, thanks. I mean, seriously. And your sort of your collection of various types of aquatic plants. I mm-hmm. was very impressed with all those. The pitcher plants and everything else. So Yeah, Monica put that together. She does a very good job. Right. Yep. So, uh, you year round? Year round. Yeah. So, you don't heat all these greenhouses though, do you? I heat two greenhouses in the winter time with our stock plants. Right. And then I I heat uh, another greenhouse. We have a uh, a train set in it at Christmas time that people can come and see. We sell Christmas trees in December. Right. And then uh, a train I- set you can ride on. No. Oh. No, it's just to look at. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> October we do a big uh, pumpkin time display, so the greenhouse gets all changed over. Out front you see all the flowers. Right. But in October there's straw maize with fourteen hundred bales. There's a petting zoo. Out back, there's a train ride. There's a Fort Maze. In our back house, starting in July, the back three houses uh-huh. will have a Nerf zone. And the kids have birthday parties back there. Oh, you're kidding. They can rent it for $100 for two hours. And play with Nerf guns? And play with Nerf guns. And yep. <laughs> We have the guns, you're... the bullets, the goggles. Oh, you're kidding. They can play safe. Well, that's great. I want to thank you for having us out. Sorry for the little bit of confusion we had at the very beginning, but... To, to be honest with you, I've gotten to a lot of garden centers and everything else, but this one's very, very impressive. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for calling in and for being understanding that we had some technical difficulties right at first. And uh, just enjoy the weather. There's plenty of time to get out there and have fun with new plant material. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.